Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to The Awakened Catholic Show. Today we are breaking new ground. We are doing things today never before done on The Awakened Catholic Show. Specifically, we are interviewing our first ever non-adult on the show, and his parents are here, and they're, they're signing off on this. They want this conversation to happen. It's going to be a great conversation. David Billings, welcome to the show. How are you doing, brother? I'm doing great. Thank you so much for having me. Absolutely, man. I just had the joy of interviewing your parents for our last episode, talking about the book that they uh, just published through OSV, uh, talking about their journeys, their their marriage. And you are the byproduct of uh, what has taken place there. Yes, so I am. It's pretty I exciting am, yep. for you. You exist. I do. I do exist. <laughs> yes. Uh, but we have you here today because you have launched your own initiative. Um, you've you've felt whatever stirrings that we're going to get into in the show to launch a website to help men who are discerning a religious life. And I'm really excited to get into this conversation. I myself went through a discernment process uh, for priesthood. So uh, this is going to be awesome. And I'm really, really excited. You are only 15 years old. That is and correct. you're two weeks away from being 16, making you the youngest guest ever on the Awakened Catholic Show. So congratulations Thank for you. that. Pretty yeah, cool. It's very special for you. <laughs> <laughs> All right. All of that is coming up right after this. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to The Awakened Catholic Show. I'm your host, Nick De La Torre. This is not your grandmother's Catholic talk show, unless she's a really, really cool grandmother. Today, we are talking to David Billings, who is a very young man who is doing some really uh, innovative, cool stuff. So when, when my team initially reached out to me saying, hey, um, when, when the Billings are in town, they have a son who is building this, has built this website and it's to help men discerning priesthood. And I was like, sure, that's adorable. Uh, we'll probably have to pass on it. You know, he's young and whatever. And when I actually saw your website, I was like, oh, so it's like that. So like he's, he's actually doing this. This is really cool. So um, number one, kudos for the work you've done up to this point. And thank you, thank you. yeah, absolutely, man. Um, so let's talk about what's funny is this, this first portion of the show, we normally are like talking about the journey and, and the life of someone that's been and, and you're like your journey is practically just getting started. And, and your journey is, is uh, up to this point been only 15 years, 16 years minus two weeks. And, yes. uh, you know, how many of those years do you actually remember? But let's talk about where you're at right now and how you've gotten to this point. So you, you've built this website. We're going to get into the website in a little bit. But but what did, were you discerning priesthood yourself first, and that's what led you to this? Or what does this look like for you? So, yeah, um, I've been kind of discerning priesthood. I mean, I kind of like to say that I've been discerning it since, like, age seven. I know you can't properly discern at that young of an age, but I've always had since that age, since like I began altar serving, I've always had um, like a just a close connection to the mass and to the sacraments and to just the role of a priest. That's so and, interesting. Um, I've just always been attracted to that. And my pastor, um, my former pastor in Illinois, Monsignor Dan Deutsch, he actually gave me special permission to start altar serving at age seven because um, you weren't supposed to start until you were 10. But I had such like a desire to do it that he gave me special permission to do that. And so um, that was just kind of the beginning of it. And then as I've just gotten into my high school years and my middle school years and just all of that, it's just kind of continued. And I've just wanted to continue to grow deeper in my faith and continue to go deeper in that uh, topic of discernment. And it's just kind of led me to where I'm at now. That's beautiful. I love um, the... Uh 
the the way that your pastor at the time when you were only seven approached your desire and and your passion for the mass and your desire to serve the mass i love how he was like you know what we have a structure in place but clearly god is doing something in your heart let's let's address that and let's be open to the movings of the holy spirit in this way reminds me of my own kids my oldest daughter lucia uh, she, for the longest time, as soon as she was able to communicate or whatever, she always wanted to receive communion. And it was like, it wasn't just like a fun, like, hey, mom and dad are doing it, so I want to do it too. Like, she understood what was going on because, you know, I'm her dad and I'm not going to let my kids not understand what's happening. Exactly, but, yeah. But, um, but she always had this desire to the extent that she would try to sneak it. So like we would go up in the communion line and um, Alina and I, my wife and I would receive. And my daughter, once she was on foot, she would like leave with us as we would leave after receiving communion. And then she would like dash back to try to get some herself without us noticing. And it was adorable. It really was adorable. But she would just like, I have a photo of her super, super young kneeling um, to like during the consecration prayers and stuff, she's just kneeling and, and, and it's so beautiful. Like she was really present to what was happening. So eventually we approached our pastor and we were like, Hey man, like, I know that usually you wait till second grade or, or whatever age. And you know, I just, I, it feels wrong at this point to deny her what, what she's longing for. And so the pastor basically just did an interview with her and asked her a few, uh, like philosophical questions, like to kind of get a grasp of, you know, has she reached the age of reason where she can really discern uh, right and wrong about something or whatever, and um, asked her some questions about what her understandings of the uh, of the Eucharist are. And by the end of that meeting, he was like, yeah, she's ready, which was awesome. That's so, awesome. Yeah. yeah. So I just really connected with what you were sharing because it's so important for our priests to uh, not just think in terms of these kind of uh, structures that we've developed, but really being open to the moving of the Holy Spirit, because look at the impact it's made on your life, yeah. where his allowing that to happen three years earlier than it would have otherwise, like that has set you on this journey that would have looked different. Maybe you still yeah. would have gotten into discerning priesthood, maybe, but like the specifics of what your journey has been are only there because of that decision on his part to be to be open to the Holy Spirit. Absolutely, so yes. That's really beautiful. Yeah. You, you shared that you have... Um, as far back as you can remember, kind of always had a, a passion uh, for the mass. What does that mean at that age? Like when you when you when you shared that, that's how you felt about it. Like what about the mass was interesting to you? What made you passionate about it? It was really it was just like even though I couldn't quite understand like the sacrifice that was taking place, it was like the reverence of it and how people treated it with like with so much respect and just with like all of the, uh, like, the genuflecting when you walk into a church and, like, just, I don't know, the vestments of the priest that he wore as he was celebrating the Mass, the prayers, um, just everything about it was just, like, overall was just the reverence of the Mass and just the respect for it and how you knew there was something sacred going on, yeah. even if at that young age I didn't quite, like, I understood what the Eucharist was, but I didn't quite understand the whole sacrifice thing yet. Mm -hmm. um, that came on later as I've continued altar serving, but... I think it was just that that sacredness that was there. That's beautiful, and, and there's so much value in what you're sharing right now because um, we're it, we're in a, a priest shortage epidemic. Uh, in fact, here in our diocese, the diocese of Toledo, our bishop just published um, this uh, call to action to everyone in the diocese 
to uh, offer specific prayers and and um, sacrifices and like specifically for the intention of fasting. I think you said specifically for the intention of um, uh, like a, a huge turning around of the priest shortage in our diocese. And I know that we aren't unique that way. All over the country, there's a shortage of priests, and you know. It, it wasn't always this way. No, not at all. And I love in your story, in your witness, that you were drawn into the beauty and the power of what was happening, even though you didn't fully get it, because it was beautiful, because it was powerful, because there, there's the, the word I like to use is transcendent. Like mm -hmm. there was a transcendent thing happening in the liturgy. And we have this obsession for decades now of like dumbing down the mass to make it more attractive somehow to a modern audience. And that does exactly the opposite. It, it It's so much less inspirational and, and so much less spiritual in a sense. Um, and, and what you experienced where you were drawn into the mystery, you were drawn into the beauty of it, that's what we need to do more. That's what's going to uh, set hearts on fire in young men uh, to be a part of that. Uh, wow. Yeah, that's really, really cool. Yeah. Okay, so uh, you're homeschooled. I am, yes. Okay, so what is what is that like? So, I mean, homeschooling for me, like, it's funny because you get these questions a lot. Like, I've gotten them from a lot of my friends, not as much moving to South Carolina because there's a ton of homeschoolers there. But uh, when I used to live in Illinois, I would get the questions all the time, like, do you have friends since you're homeschooled? <laughs> yeah. And, like, do you have, like, any social life and any of that? And, like, absolutely I do. And I would say even more so to the extent that, like, I get to have the opportunity to to choose my friends more wisely. I'm not as much forced to uh, be in a class where, like, you're kind of supposed to be friends with everybody, even if you're not, like, really close with them. Um, so, I mean, I love that aspect of it. I also I love the freedom of homeschooling, of, like, how – if we wanted, like, we're able to work a week ahead and then we can just take a family trip the next week if my dad's able to get off work um, because he works from home also, so that's also another advantage. Um, just, like, I wouldn't call myself necessarily sheltered, but I also like the aspect of I'm not as exposed to the world. I know what's happening, but I'm not as so thrust into it um, as a lot of, like, public schoolers would be or even if you just went to a private school, sadly. A lot of private schools these days are... Getting oh, yeah. really awful. Oh, yeah. Um, so just I love like it's it's not that I'm like still baby innocence, but there's still a sense of innocence there um, that I that I just really like. And it's just yes, even if I made fun of it for sometimes it's like, well, you know, God, God's not making fun of me for that. So like that's, that's all answer. that matters. So I, I just really everything about homeschooling. I love that you awesome. treasure that aspect of it because it actually is a very gospel thing. Like when our blessed Lord says that um, we must have uh, faith like a child, like he's not talking about um, not asking questions. He's not talking about never wrestling with faith or with God. He's talking about, I think we're all meant to preserve some of that in innocence. And, and it's not because you're a kid. I would say I, I am saddened by the innocence that I don't still retain um, because of the ways that I was thrust into the world that really led me to uh, a lot of really dark days of my life, dark years, where I, I experienced a lot of things that I just, I wish I could have not experienced. I hurt people in ways that I wish I could have not hurt people and even myself. And so there's this childlike innocence that I think we're all meant 
to desire and to strive for that is not about being dumb. It's not about being like uh, less savvy or less street smart or whatever. We, what's really happening when people are losing that innocence is they're being desensitized to evil. They're being desensitized to sin. They're being desensitized to pain. And the world wants us to be desensitized to all of those things as much as them. And, and that is the real pain point. So to me, when I, we, Alina and I homeschool our kids as well. Um, and I love that we're able to protect them, not from knowing what's happening in the world, like what right. you're talking about, but from being desensitized to it where it doesn't affect their heart anymore. Exactly. Right. Um, so yeah, that's really powerful that you shared that from your own perspective. That's really, really cool, man. Yeah. Yeah. And I would add one more thing too, that I love about homeschooling since we're getting into this whole conversation about discernment in a few minutes. Um, I also have had the opportunity to go to daily mass almost every single day. And that has just furthered, um, that devotion to the Eucharist and yeah. to the mass. And whereas if you go to school, you wouldn't, you know, even if you go to a private school, they don't have daily mass no. every single day. It's once a week usually. Yeah. yeah. So there's that opportunity to be able to go every day. That's amazing. Yeah. And that familiarity with it and, and diving into that mystery with that, that, uh, frequency, the doing it that often, I'm sure was a big part of you, uh, identifying with it and, and growing more passionate about it. Absolutely. Yeah. That's awesome, David. Okay. So, um, so you're, you're in high school, but homeschooled. Yes. Okay. And at what point did your interest in the mystery of the mass and the sacred liturgy in the Eucharist and the priesthood, at what point did that kind of take on flesh where you started thinking of it like, I'm interested in this for me. I'm interested in becoming a priest. Like at what point was that a, a thought that you had? Uh, probably three years ago when we moved to South Carolina because our parish um, down there, St. Mary's in Greenville, South Carolina, it's a very, um, it's it's still retained a lot. It's, it's a Novus Ordo parish, but it's still retained a lot of the Latin mass um, essence to it in oh, the sense that there's, the there's still incense at every mass. Um, the priest still faces east, so yeah. it's still at Orientum, and um, everything's sung, and everything's just really reverently beautiful. And then there are still parts of it that are in Latin, um, like the Sanctus mm -hmm. and, and that the, the Gloria Agnus and things like Dei, that, Agnus that kind of Dei, stuff. all that yeah. type of stuff. And so I think really it was that was when I started getting the understanding too of like this is a sacrifice. It's not it's not just a going to church every Sunday. Um, and I think that's one of the things that saddens me, like even when I talk to my Protestant friends, like they're just kind of going to a worship service every Sunday. I get to go to a sacrifice, which is pretty cool, Oof. like and participate in that sacrifice. Dang, dude. And, and that's just, I, I don't know, that's been super awesome. And so it's, I would say that's probably when it started manifesting itself more mm -hmm. uh, was when I started getting the greater understanding of what was happening. Yes, that's beautiful. Yeah, okay. So uh, before we get any further, I think it's time for the Kerygma speed round. Are you ready, David? I am. Okay. I think. <laughs> I should say, I think. All right. First question. Who is Jesus to you? I would I would say that I mean he's he's everything. He's all like he's everything in my life, but he's also most importantly, just like a friend, always there when I need him. Um, I can always count on talking to him about whatever's going on in my life, even if nobody else will at the current moment. Um, and it's just, it's a, he's a person that I can just go to and talk to and give my struggles, my worries, my joys, my anxieties, whatever is going on in my life. Mm -hmm. 
it's just awesome to have that friendship with him there. Oh, yeah. Beautiful, man. Okay. Second question. What's an elevator pitch for a life with Jesus? Um, just living with Jesus, I think you find so much joy with it. And there's so much, I feel like our culture has kind of, uh, like said, if you're, if you're religious or you don't believe in Jesus, like it's, it's taking more away from you and you're, you're losing out on things, but it actually makes you more joyful because Mm -hmm. you're living out the way that God has created us to be, whether you're Catholic, religious, I mean, whether you believe in Jesus or not. Like, we're all made for that joy of helping and serving others. And I really think you find that joy in a life with Christ. Wow. Okay. That's a great answer. Third and final question of the Kerygma Speed Round. An elevator pitch for life specifically as a Catholic. Just the history that is in Catholicism. I think how deep Catholicism goes. Like, just, I mean, the papacy going all the way back to St. Peter, rooted in Scripture, but then also just, like, the traditions and like we have a Latin mass parish pretty close to our house called Prince of Peace. And we, I will often just find myself going over there for some of their like special events and the traditions that they have still retained, like uh, the Rogation Day masses and um, just like uh, they have a special service called Tenebrae during Holy Week, which is the special like office of the readings and Vespers and all that combined. It's almost like a funeral service for Christ and just like just all of the, rich liturgical um things that are in the church are just amazing Mm. i just love them it's just the history that's behind it yeah amen i want to reiterate for our audience um he's only 15 (laughs) that's those are great answers for the curriculum speed round i would i would put him right up there with some of the best i mean that's that's really good stuff david don't let it go to your head though okay okay i won't thank you all right Uh, my parents tell me that all the time so (laughs) awesome okay Thank you for that. So let's get back to you. So I'm curious, as you are are navigating these excitements and these considerations to uh, become a priest, like what are some of the areas that that you found something was lacking in what was available to you that you felt uh, compelled to create a website? I think that um, a lot of young men in our society today they don't see like I was talking about a minute ago, the joy that's in the priesthood, a lot of them just see this priest as like this kind of old person that's up on the altar that just says, let us pray every Sunday. And then just like kind of goes home, maybe hears a confession or two and just kind of lives by themselves. But I, I would say that some, so the reason I wanted to create this website and something that's on the website a lot is vocation stories of a lot of young priests specifically um, that have influenced me uh, tremendously just with their joy of living out the priesthood and their vocation and just how they're able to find so much freedom and happiness in that vocation, even though they don't have a wife or children or any of that. They're just, they're able to find that freedom and happiness in the congregation that they serve and the people that they serve mm. in the order that they're a part of, diocese they're a part of. Um, so I think that's just something that's lacking is people need to see more Mm-hmm. more of that joy and that happiness that comes from that mm-hmm. that it's not just this old life that can't that's impossible to right. attain or that you have to be holy enough to attain it i think that's another thing i've heard many priests are you say no oh, okay <laughs> no <laughs> I'm no kidding. yeah nobody's holy enough for priesthood nobody's worthy enough for it but i mean god doesn't uh there's that phrase that goes god doesn't god doesn't call the qualified he qualifies the called yeah amen and i just i love that so 
Yeah, beautiful. Okay, so so you're seeing that there 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 are a lot of skewed perceptions out there about how people see priesthood, the life of a priest, um, and that that could possibly influence someone that might be open to it away from it because they're seeing it that way. So you're you're seeing that um, in in the landscape of of all of this, and you decide I'm going to help. I'm going to create a platform to help facilitate people seeing all of this a different way, seeing, seeing a different side to all of this. Is that fair? Is that, am I yes, putting that together? Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Okay. And so you, your website is called mission possible. Yes. Right. The URL is missionpossible.com. Uh, no, it's actually God's plan for you.info. Um, but it's the number four instead of the word okay. four. And then it's just you, not the word. You. Okay. We'll make sure to so. include that in the show notes. Um, okay. So God's plan for yes, you, you. Yeah. uh, all right, so what can people find? What kind of tools, what kind of information is available on your platform? Yeah, so I actually want to uh, reiterate. So when I first started making this website, um, I was going to just kind of go the priesthood route and have priesthood stuff on there. But then I thought a lot of people just don't see like um, like the, like the what a true vocation is also. So I actually included, there are a few sections on there, uh, not as much, but there are a few sections on there for like, uh, married life and single life and then religious life and different things like that. And so what you can find on there is, <clears throat> pardon me, just different descriptions of uh, what those vacations are, what maybe um, what maybe signs you might see in yourself if you're called to one of those vocations. And then one of the biggest things is different vocation stories. So I've compiled a bunch of vocation stories that I have watched myself over the past, you know, three, four years, um, just that I found on YouTube of priests, religious, married couples, single people that have given their vocation stories and that I wanted an easy place for people to find those all in one place. So as I'm finding them, I'm continuing to add them, but there's at least 20 or 30 of them up there right now, um, that you can just go and watch. And then I also decided to add this thing called the diocese vocation finder, where you can, there's, uh, a list of every diocese in the entire United States where you can go and just find your diocese, click on the button, and it redirects you straight to your diocese's vocation page. And so you can get in immediate contact with your vocations director and with all the resources that your diocese has to offer by just clicking that button. That is awesome. That's really cool. And I know here in our diocese, a great priest is our vocations director is uh, Father Phil Smith. Um, Yeah. I actually thought about inviting him to be here today uh, to meet you and, and to be on the show with us, but uh, I, it was too short of notice. So um, he's an amazing, amazing guy. Um, that That's a really great set of tools. Uh, so so God's plan for you.info. Correct. Okay. Now, what are you hoping, like, what's your long-term vision for this project? You know, is this going to become your full-time gig and then you end up not being a priest? Or what, what, what are you thinking long-term? No, honestly, um, long term, I really don't have any vision for it right now. I'll be honest with that. Um, this was an idea, actually, that uh, my mom originally kind of put in my my head. Obviously, I was the one who did the whole project, and but she was the one who said, you know, you have this interest um, in vocations and in helping people like find their vocations. Like, why don't you create this website? Um, and since my dad works in the technology industry, I know a little bit about website making and things like that as well. So. I just kind of created it now and we're just going to kind of see where it goes and see where God takes it. And I'm going to continue to add to it just different resources as I find them. And, uh, 
I don't know. Maybe it'll become something big. Maybe it'll just say something small. But I just I hope that it can influence at least one person. Yeah. And that it can help one person. Amen. So yeah, that's what I always say about everything we do at Awaken is like, man, if one if if in all the if in all the years that Awaken runs, if one person's life is impacted by anything we did, the whole thing was worth it. Mm-hmm. Uh so yeah, I totally agree with that. Absolutely. All right. So David, uh you already shared with us where people can find your website. Um God's plan for you with the number four yes. dot info. We'll have that link in the description. Is there anything else you want to tell the people? Yeah, um, there's one quote that I have on the front page of the website that I think I put it there because I know that uh, it's been a very inspiring quote for me. And it's a quote by St. Josephine Bakita. And she says, in God's will, there is great peace. Mm. And I think that that's something that everybody needs to remember is that God's will is greater than any plan you ever have. And it can seem at times like God's plan is like a disaster and it's going to lead you down this terrible road, but it's never going to. It's always going to lead you to great, great peace. And so I just, for anybody discerning anything, marriage, uh, religious life, priesthood, just keep that in mind, that there's great peace in that. That's, that's some powerful stuff, David. That's really good. We all need that. Well, thank you so much for your yes to God and, and uh, this, this period of discernment that you're on. Uh, viewers, listeners, I want to invite you to pray for David uh, through this journey that he's on and also for the work he's doing with his website. Um, yeah, you're awesome, man. I, I can't you. believe you're 50. Like, just hearing, the way you talk, you don't sound like you're, you, you sound like you've been through seminary already. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I've been, I've been through seminary in the home. My parents have been my, my teachers. So That's they've beautiful. been very good, very good and influential in that. So That's awesome. Yeah. Awesome. Well, David, thanks for being on the show, brother. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. God bless. Viewers, listeners, before you go, uh, just want to invite you to support the work we're doing here. Please visit awakencatholic.org slash donate and become a supporter today. Become a patron with a monthly contribution. We really need your help to build a solid foundation for this ministry, uh, for all of the media that we make freely available on the internet and otherwise, and for the events that we put on. So please visit awakencatholic.org slash donate and be a part of what makes all of it possible. All right, David, God bless you, brother. Viewers and listeners, I just need you to know that Jesus loves you. Peace.